This is Talking Points, Ken's politics podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Talking Points podcast, the show where we guide you through all of the political news affecting Kent and beyond. I'm your host, Oliver Kemp, and with me is the KM's political editor, Paul Francis. How are you doing, Paul? I'm good, thanks, Ollie. It's been a while, isn't it? It has been a while and there's been a lot happening, but uh, hopefully we'll be resuming our insightful contributions to the political issues of the day. Yeah, I was going to say we're back by popular demand, but that might be a stretch of the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, during our extended well, hiatus, everything under the sun has pretty much happened. I think our last show back in March, we were talking about Kent County Council's COVID sneezing advice. And two lockdowns later, <laughs> a lot has changed, yes. isn't it? Yes, it has. And uh, the political landscape is not what we might have expected to be seeing. No, exactly. And that means we've got quite a lot to cover today on the show. We're going to be talking today's big political story and then also an update on, on Brexit, which is now less than a month away. Um, so I think we should probably kick off, Paul, with uh, today's Commons vote on tier restrictions. So, you know, yes. any, any listeners, if you've, unless you've been living under a rock, you'll probably know that England will be coming out of the second lockdown and into tiered restrictions from midnight tonight. And Kent is in the heaviest tier three category, which means our pubs and restaurants must remain closed and we cannot mix with other households. Now, this evening, MPs will be voting on these measures, but... I think it's safe to say not all is fine and dandy in the government right now. Is that is that fair to say? No, uh, it isn't exactly. Uh, it's not, we're not at the point where, to use that overused headline, it's all going to end in tears. Uh, but undoubtedly, the government is facing a kind of tricky, tricky day today uh, in terms of trying to get through its proposals to uh, introduce these new uh, levels of restrictions, which, as you say have not gone down well in some parts of the county. Yes, and obviously we are we, we focusing on Kent MPs because because this is the county we're in, but there are seven of them who, who wrote a letter to Matt Hancock to say they were unhappy with, uh, with the restrictions. I mean, what's their main beef, Paul? Well, their main complaint is, that, and you can understand why they've raised it with the uh, Health Secretary Matt Hancock, is that for some of them, they are representing areas where there have been virtually no cases in some wards or divisions, as they might be called, in that there have been no in- incidents of the coronavirus, uh, and where there have been any infections, it's been pretty low figures. So they say, how can it be logical to go from a position where people living in certain communities uh, are on the lowest risk one day and then the next day are in the highest risk when nothing has changed about their particular individual circumstances. So it's a question of the uh, of the fairness and logicality of the plans. But also um, there's a point being raised by uh, the likes of Ashford MP Damien Green and Tom Tugendhat, Tumbridge Morning MP, which says if people don't feel that the restrictions that are being imposed are justified they're not going to have confidence in the uh, overall system and the the changes that the government is planning to make in terms of where they sit on the risk category. Now, it's I'm not anticipating some kind of uh, uh, 
massive rebellion amongst people living in some of these areas, but you can understand why they would feel confused about uh, the switch in their circumstances. You can, especially when you look at some of those West Kent, you were talking about places like Tunbridge and Malling, Tunbridge Wells, Seven Oaks. Um, I was chatting to Freddie Inns, who was a MasterChef semi-finalist yesterday, who, who now is head chef at the, at the Plough in Ivy Hatch. And uh, he was talking to me about the fact that not five miles down the road, you can go to a pub or a restaurant. And he actually lives in East Sussex, which is a tier two. And yet the pub that he's working in in tier three, you're not able to, to, to visit the pub and, and all of those locals could feasibly just hop over the border to this tier two location. And they've had very, very low numbers of the virus in that area. So you can understand why there's a little bit of contention in, in, in having a blanket tier three restriction on the entire county. Yeah, the, the, the borders with neighbouring areas, neighbouring councils, which don't have the same level of restrictions and you can cross over is, is, is another factor in all of this. But it has to be said that uh, Kent has more than seven MPs uh, and what was interesting perhaps was that uh, two MPs in the areas of Kent where there has been the highest uh, incidence and uh, figures uh, creeping up to make them some of the highest in the country, two MPs that we've spoken to say that the district by district kind of uh, application that the, the seven want is going to make it more difficult in terms of uh, curbing the the incident rates and reaching that point where they're plateaued and start to come down. So Roger Gale, Sir, Sir Roger Gale, the uh, MP for Thanet North, said that the time was come effectively to kind of draw a line under this this, this issue and just get on with it. Uh, and he'd actually changed his mind when he'd been briefed about the issue of um, the capacity of hospitals to deal with what might be coming down the track. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was candid enough uh, and good on him for admitting that he thought one thing one day and then decided on the basis of other facts that perhaps he was wrong. So he's not part of this group and neither is the sitting born and Sheppey MP Gordon Henderson. Uh, who obviously represents uh, the Swale area, again, has been the highest uh, rate in the country. And he took a similar line to uh, Sir Roger saying, you know, uh, we all want our businesses to flourish. We don't want them to be kind of uh, restricted in what they can do. But he, he described it in quite an outspoken phrase. He said it was like flogging a dead horse to try and get the government to change its mind on that. So you know, differing opinions in different parts of the county uh, and uh, I think that's reflected probably in, uh, elsewhere in the in the country. Mm, absolutely, and we already know that, that for tonight's vote, Labour are going to abstain. Um, but what, what do we feel about the the seven MPs? I mean, are these are they going to genuinely vote against the government? Because we often see this well, happening where they're vocal, but then they they abstain, which yeah. some people would say is 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 maybe not not firing a full shot that you're suggesting. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think it's interesting that's because. Um, the, the other MP for Thanet, South Thanet MP Craig McKinley, is part of the uh, Corona Recovery Group, uh, which is uh, made up of MPs who, who want to see fewer restrictions imposed on communities. And when this issue last came up in terms of the discussion around the second lockdown period, he, uh, he, he voted against 
the imposition of the second phase of the lockdown, the national lockdown, uh, and quite memorably said that he was he, he was paid to take a decision in the Commons on behalf of his constituents, so he wasn't going to abstain. Uh, so I'm guessing that he'll be voting against uh, these new restrictions. I mean, obviously, uh, there's going to be a lot of political horse trading going on behind the scenes uh, before the vote takes place uh, later on today. Uh, and I think the reason why some of the seven MPs are perhaps keeping their counsel now is because they're in sort of a backroom negotiations, if you like, with uh, with, with government aides uh, to see what else they can uh, get by way of uh, commitments to sort of either end this these restrictions soon or review them so they go into another tier. But, but regardless of kind of uh, of where we're going into, it does look as if Boris Johnson will get this this over the line, doesn't it? It doesn't it, yeah. unless there was a large scale mutiny we weren't aware of. Which if we're you know hands up we could be wrong, but I mean right now it doesn't look as if that's going to happen. Yes, uh, I mean over the weekend it certainly looked like there was uh, you know um, a mutinous uh, atmosphere, uh, and uh, indeed uh, Tom Tugendhat who came on our political show, the Paul on Politics show on Friday, uh, and was very. Uh, uh, very irritated by the government's failure to acknowledge what uh, he saw as a kind of an, an illogical system. Uh, now he's not a kind of natural rebel, uh, and you probably wouldn't put Gordon Henderson down as a natural rebel. Uh, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what the MPs do. Uh, my suspicion is that they might, some of them might be one round uh, in Kent. Uh, there'll be still, you know, people like Craig McKinley, as we mentioned, who, who will find it difficult not to vote against them on the basis of his previous uh, view of the national lockdown. But it's, you know, the government is, as you say, uh, facing quite a tricky situation because uh, Keir Starmer's, uh, who had, um, who was expected to support the measures, has now said that. Um, his MPs will abstain. So that makes the numbers issue quite a bit more tricky for the government. Now, in some ways, the government might be grateful because it might help them bring in some of their wavering backbench MPs into line uh, in terms of the in terms of the vote, because you know backbenchers don't want to be seen uh, perhaps as uh, being responsible for inflicting a kind of defeat on their own government. So I, it might be that Labour is actually handed. Uh, Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock uh, a handy um, way of uh, bringing bringing backbench MPs into line with what the government wants. Interesting. We'll be following that. So obviously the vote, for anyone that's listening, the vote will be at 7 o'clock. We will be uh, updating everybody by kentonline.co.uk. So do keep up to date and uh, on that unfolding story. Indeed. And penetrating analysis to go with it. Yes. Well sold, Paul. Well sold. <laughs> Talking points. Kent's politics podcast. So uh, I think it's probably time, Paul, to uh, talk about that dreaded, that dreaded thing that we've been talking about for years. Brexit. We're now less than a month away from Britain leaving the EU. Um, where do we stand at this point? Are we all prepared? Uh, well, uh, it depends on your point of view, really, about whether we're prepared. I mean, I think, you know, there are two issues here. 
the first is the kind of you know ongoing negotiations around uh, a deal or no deal uh, and that's you know uh, as one football manager once put it we're at the business end of the uh, of the game as it were uh, and it, there seems to be kind of a, new deadlines every day or week that these negotiations take place but um, this this does seem to be a kind of crunch week in terms of uh, the government either getting some kind of deal or not getting a deal and walking away from the, the negotiations so there's that going on at kind of the you know, national government level and obviously the ongoing issues around how Kent is going to be impacted by Brexit come January the 31st and the end of the transition period and there's uh, there's a, there are still a lot of issues which uh, need to be addressed uh, to convince people uh, businesses particularly that uh, and haulage companies and indeed local authorities that uh, the 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 arrangements are in plan which will mitigate against any catastrophic uh, failures in January yeah, of course. And, uh, and you know, the, the thing that we seem to be mainly focused on, or perhaps it's because it's the most visual thing and the most easily understandable consequence of a Brexit is is our roads being blocked by lorries and the toilet of England, you know, the yes. Garden of England becoming the yes. toilet of England. That, the <laughs> obsession the obsession with portaloos. It could only really happen here, couldn't it? You know, that's, uh... Apparently so, yeah. And that, that seems to be the thing that has that has been a, a big focus, not not just for the, the people of Kemba, for MPs as well. I mean, are there, are there any other kind of tangible things yet that we know of as, as a potential consequence of us actually leaving finally? Uh, well, in terms of the impacts that we might see, I mean, it is all around whether the systems are in place to, uh, if not stop, then p- mitigate against the kind of the uh, worst case scenarios, um, which were graphically spelt out in that recent government report, which suggested there could be queues of 7,000 uh, lorries. Which I is think, quite a lot of lorries. Yes, it is quite a lot of lorries. <laughs> Um, they've, uh, you know, they've, the government's confirmed that they'll be using Manston as a, an overspill. Uh, site, which was kind of expected in any case. I think one of the, the issues that is creeping up is the uh, the whole IT kind of framework and systems that hauliers are going to need to use uh, from January uh, in order to get uh, their goods kind of customs declarations cleared. Uh, and there was a there was a peers cross party committee last uh, month. When it examined this proposal, and there were warnings from kind of the uh, industries, different industry sectors, that uh, the IT system that they're going to use is unreliable, hasn't been properly tested, uh, and uh, is is not not at this stage fit for purpose. So there's this kind of behind, not visible in the same way that we're seeing lots of construction work going on uh, for lorry parks. Um, but behind the scenes almost uh, issues around what companies how companies are going to work their way through these new systems without some kind of um, failures and that's what's the difficult thing about this it's something that we we said way back when we were talking about brexit back in march some of these things have yet to come to light and and perhaps some of it will only become clear once that deadline passes and we are officially sort of on our own in inverted commas Um, and and then we'll have we'll have a lot more detail on some of this stuff yeah, uh, I mean, to be fair, we have got quite a lot of 
of detail on some of these things, but uh, it is a bit like I mean, I mean we talked about this before about uh, the the millennium, the new millennium uh, arriving, and fears that uh, you know we go into some kind of uh, descent into kind of administrative Armageddon where nothing was functioning properly, and in the end, nothing at all happened. Um, it's di- but it is difficult to see how there won't be some sort of kind of um, uh, upheaval, uh, uh, and the, the visible sign of that is going to be on the county's road network. Uh, but you know, who knows? Maybe hauliers will be kind of holding back on crossings. But you know, trade once Christmas is over into New Year, kind of normal business is going to be resumed, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll await, we'll uh, patiently await the potential arrival of a 2021 version of the Millennium Bug. Yes. <laughs> right, and so finally, we'd, normally we would do jargon word of the week, um, but we've slightly changed it this week to waffle of the week um, in light of, of, of a response from Gavin Williamson. I'm just going to read this one out briefly, Paul. Uh, so this was this was a genuine sentence from him. We'll be working very closely with the sector to ensure anything we do is very much to support them, support children and support the learning and understand of what support those children need going forward. I mean, what, what, is he, what, <laughs> what question is he answering there? I don't know, but he certainly wasn't answering the question which had been put to him by uh, Sir Roger Gale, who was asking him about whether the government uh, could consider scrapping the year six tests, these SATs that all schools, primary schools have to put their children through. Uh, and, you know, you look at, Sir Roger made a fairly straight question, which merited a yes or a no answer. And that's what he got, a whole bunch of waffle. And it does show you that uh, M- M- politi- politicians generally are always loathe to say what they really want to say and feel kind of constrained into not giving any hostages to fortune. I mean, that just was a completely meaningless sentence. And he's the education secretary as well. So, you know, not going to go down too well. You'd hope you'd hope for a straight answer, wouldn't you? Um, you would this, do, yeah. This morning we had uh, Michael Gove uh, refusing to explain what a substantial meal would be in a pub in a tier two location. <laughs> he couldn't answer the question. And um, well, uh, is you know, it a Scotch egg? Well, is that's the thing. Piers Morgan on Good Morning Britain was asking him, "Would a Scot does a Scotch egg count?" <laughs> and he couldn't say. So, um, well, yes. it's a bit. It's a bit like um, uh, when he was asked what was a reasonable amount of exercise. That, you know, under the uh, the first lockdown, you, you, you'll remember that they had uh, kind of guidance on you know what you could and couldn't do, and uh, he just made up a kind of um, he magicked up a figure of his own at the time, and he said, "Well, probably about half an hour or so." <laughs> didn't he? Did, yeah, but didn't he also say that he has on occasion driven to test his eyesight the same way as Dominic Cummings did? He oh, did actually uh, say that did at he one that, point. Yeah. He did. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, so I'm sure we'll have in future episodes more waffle. It might even change from jargon of the week to waffle of the week. Just yeah, to hold our politicians to account. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> that's what we're here to do. Well, thank you for joining me, Paul. Uh, thank you for, for listening back to our, our new episode of uh, Talking Points. We'll be back next week and I'll talk, talking about the fallout probably of this vote um, and, and a little bit of that analysis. Uh, we've got one thing to one thing to to alert people to is that uh, I'm definitely going to be talking about a jumper Margaret Thatcher wore in Ooh. 1975. Interesting. So a, little, a little 
hint at what's coming so if you want to hear more about Margaret Thatcher's jumper that she wore in 1975, you definitely need to stick to kentonline.co.uk. Okay. And for all of the analysis and, and fallout from everything that's happening politically in Kent, you stick to that website. And thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next week. That's an echo, isn't it? <laughs> so, oh yeah, I can hear an echo. What's that? <laughs> Talking Points, Kent's politics podcast. 